section eighteen of england this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume nine england edited by eva march tappan section eighteen the fall of the monastery at croyland eight seventy by eva march tappan the year eight seventy was a hard one for the saxons then first they began to realize that the danes had other plans in mind than the gathering of booty however rich and sudden onslaughts however fierce early in the autumn the enemy fell upon eastern mercia its king made no effort to protect it it is possible that the welsh on the eastern boundaries were keeping his hands more than full but algar a brave young elder man assembled the men of the district some three hundred in all two hundred more joined him a great acquisition for they were led by a monk named tolius who before entering the monastery of croyland had been a famous soldier more men came from the neighboring country and they went out bravely to meet the foe at first they were more successful than they had dared to hope for three danish kings were slain the pagans fled and the saxons pursued them to their very camp there was great rejoicing for only the coming of night had prevented them from overpowering the invaders weary and happy they returned to their own camp but they were met by the report of the spies that many hundreds of the heathen perhaps many thousands were pouring into the camp of the enemy it was hopeless the battle in the morning would not be a victory but a slaughter should they die for naught when early morning came three-fourths of algar's enthusiastic army had fled in the darkness of the night the others waited what should they do who could blame them if they too had fled for death only could lie before them but no in the earliest grey of the morning algar and tolius went about from group to group of the weary men many of them suffering from the wounds of the previous day and tried as best they might to strengthen and encourage them the cowards who were among us have stolen away in the darkness like foxes said algar shall we be like them shall your children tell to their children's children that their fathers were among those that dared not meet the foe what will the heathen say they will say these runaways who slink out of sight at the very thought of a dane there is nothing in them to fear and fiercer than ever before they will fall upon our homes we perish if we flee we can but perish if we stay shall we stay shouts of renewed courage arose then there was quiet for the soldier monk tolius had raised his hand for a silence he stood erect with uncovered head looking straight into the faces of his soldiers do you see the tonsure said he that is in memory of the crown of thorns of him who died for us will you refuse to die for him you fight the destroyers of your homes the murderers of your wives but more than this you fight the bands of the heathen for the christian faith 
the lord of hosts is with us our god is a god that can work miracles he will not desert his people trust in god and fight like demons said the monk of many battlefields the light grew less dim a weird chanting was heard in the danish camp it was the song of glory of the dead kings recounting their many victories their joy in the fight and the seats of honour that they would hold in the halls of odin all the long bright day they would find happiness in battle sang the harpers and when the night came the valkyries would heal their wounds and they would feast with the gods then came a wild lamentation for the bodies of the kings had been placed on the ground with their weapons and bracelets and the first earth was being sprinkled upon them quickly a great mound was built up and the danes rode around it seven times slowly and with downcast faces then came again the weird chanting men should see this mound and as long as there were any heroes or children of heroes on the earth they would point out the burial place of the great kings and do them honour meanwhile the priests in the camp of the saxons were praying at the altars that they had built and the men who were that day to fight for their land and for their god were receiving the sacrament most of them for the last time the peace of god be with you said the priest as the men went forth to the battle that was to help to bring that peace algar showed himself a skilful commander he arranged his little company of heroes in the shape of a wedge tolius at the right the sheriff of lincoln at the left while he and his men were in the centre the men on the outside held their shields so close together that they made a wall impenetrable to the spears of their foes the men behind them held their spears pointed out far beyond the men on the outside who could use only their swords and pikes to protect themselves this was a new scheme the danes rushed upon the little phalanx with fearful war-cries but the saxons stood firm the horses were afraid of the bristling spear-points the swords of the danes and their heavy battle-axes were as harmless as feathers for they could not come near enough to use them they beat the air in their rage but the little invincible phalanx obedient to the word of the leader turned now right now left and wherever it went there were wounds and there was death the danes were angry the shadows were fast lengthening and still the handful of saxons drove them hither and thither as they would the danes made one more attack then turned to flee as if routed this was the supreme test of the saxons and they failed they could fight like heroes but when they saw their foes running from them they ran after them like children the commands and entreaties of their leaders were alike powerless there was no more order or discipline every man was for himself madly they pursued the enemies fled but when the saxons were crossing a little hollow then in the flash of a sword the danes came together faced about divided to the right to the left the brave little company was surrounded and but three of the heroes of the morning survived these three had hurriedly consulted almost between the blows of their adversaries croyland said they we can do nothing here let us warn the convent and as the shadows grew darker they fled 
they took three different directions that there might be three chances instead of one to warn the monks croyland was no common monastery its rich fertile lands were separated from the country about them by four rivers given by a king ethelbald of mercia it had been a favourite of other kings and many and rich were the gifts that had been showered upon it one king had sent to it his purple coronation robe to be made into priestly vestments and the curtain that had hung at the door of his chamber a marvellous piece of gold embroidery picturing the fall of troy ethelbald of mercia in his persecuted youth had been guarded and instructed by st guthlac and it was over his grave that the grateful pupil had reared this convent a visit to his tomb would heal the sick and it was so favoured a resort for the suffering that according to the legend more than one hundred were often healed in one day pilgrims returning from croyland were free from tolls and tribute throughout the mercian kingdom it was also a kind of city of refuge and any accused man who had made his way to the monks of croyland was safe from his pursuers as long as he remained within the space bounded by the farther shores of the four rivers jewels and golden vessels and other gifts costly and rare were brought to this convent by its visitors until it had become one of the richest spots in the land it was the hour of matins and the monks were assembled in the convent chapel when the door was thrown open and there stood three young men exhausted with hunger wounds and their toilsome journey through the forest over the stony hills and across soft wet meadow-land accustomed as the monks were to the coming of fugitives they saw that this was something different the blessing of god be with us and may god save us murmured the abbot as he left the altar what they had feared had come upon them the abbot theodore took command the treasures of the convent must be saved they were god's property not theirs with a burning eagerness to do what might be their last service the monks set to work gold and silver and brazen vessels were dropped into the well the table of the great altar was covered with plates of gold and that too was sunk into the water but it was too long to be hidden and so it was returned to the chapel chalices of gold hanging lamps set with precious stones and hung with heavy chains of gold jewels muniments charters were piled into the boats and then most reverently they bore to the landing-place the embalmed body of st guthlac and his little well-worn psalter row to the south and hide yourselves and our treasures in the wood of ankarig said the abbot as quietly as if this were but an everyday proceeding we will return swiftly said the rowers seizing the oars you will not return said the abbot in a tone of command then we stay to die with you they said firmly the abbot stood unmoved i command you to go the convent will be raised you who are young and strong must rebuild it the church needs you the land needs you go not a man stirred i and the old and helpless and the little children of the choir will remain perchance the heathen will spare those who offer no defence said the abbot with a faint smile the young men only turned their steps toward 
the convent gate back thundered the abbot i am your superior where are your vows of obedience i command you to leave me do you dare to disobey slowly one by one the young men entered the boats and grasped the oars the abbot raised his hand in blessing he gazed after them with one long tender look as they rowed away silently and with downcast faces then he hid his face in his robe and sobbed my children oh my children it was only a moment that he could give to his grief for much remained to be done he and the old men and the little boys of the choir put on their vestments the service of the day was completed they had partaken of the consecrated bread then they sang old men with faint quavering voices and little boys with their fearless treble high rose the chant as the courage of god filled their hearts i will not be afraid for ten thousand of the people that have set themselves against me round about and again i will lay me down in peace and take my rest for it is thou lord only that makest me dwell in safety the safety was not the safety of this world for long before the psalter was ended the danes had burst in at the open doors for a moment even they were awed by the calmness of the old men and the unearthly sweetness of the voices of the children but it was only a moment where are the jewels of the altar cried one they have hidden them from us kill them torture them where are your treasures he shouted striking down with one blow the abbot as he knelt at the altar it seemed hardly the twinkling of an eye before every monk had fallen and the marble floors were slippery with their blood the little children were cut down as ruthlessly as the old men hubba one of the sons of lodbrog had struck down the prior beside the dead man knelt one of the children of the convent weeping bitterly jarl sidroc raised his sword to kill the child the only one in the convent that still lived kill me if you will said the boy looking fearlessly up into his face you killed my prior the dane swept his sword within a hand's breadth of the boy's face but the child did not flinch the saxon cub is brave enough to be a dane muttered the jarl get out of that thing and i'll make a viking of you and he tore off the boy's convent dress and threw over him his own tunic stay by me whatever happens he whispered and keep out of that man's way and he pointed to hubba who was fiercely swinging his axe around his head in a mad fury of slaughter there are no more living take the dead shouted hubba and with bars and ploughshares and mattocks they broke open the tombs of the saints piled up their embalmed bodies and set fire to them many days later while the ruins of croyland were still smoking a half famished child wearing a danish tunic painfully climbed the hill from the river the monks who had departed at the abbot's command had made their way back they were toiling to extinguish the flames and searching for the maimed bodies of their friends that they might bury them reverently as martyrs for their faith they were too sadly busy to notice his approach until the child fell with a sob into the arms of the one that was nearest and fainted the monks gathered around in wonder it is little brother turgar 
said one in amazement it is his spirit come back to help us and guide us said another could it be a wile of satan whispered one fearfully the heathen have many dealings with evil spirits the little boy opened his eyes i am brother turgar he said and then he closed them in exhaustion after he had eaten and rested he told his story the slaughter of croyland had been repeated at the convents of peterborough and ely timidly the child had followed his captors fearing them but fearing the woods with their wild beasts as the danes were crossing the river that lay between them and the convent of huntingdon driving the great herds of cattle from the convents that they had already devastated two of the heavy wagons of spoils were overturned in a deep place in the stream jarl sidrock was in command and in the confusion his little captives softly crept away and hid in the reeds that bordered the river hardly daring to breathe he lay there till even his straining ears could not hear a sound of the danes on their march then he sprang up and ran to the woods a day and a night the child of ten years was alone in the forest with only the wild beasts about him no wonder that the monks looked upon him reverently as upon one to whom a miracle had been shown through the wilderness over rough stony ground in the midst of briars and nettles over long stretches of meadowland so soft that the water oozed out around his naked feet as he went on the child ran on on would it never end had he always been running he hardly knew it was like some terrible dream at last he began to come to places that he recognized it was his own river it was not wide he swam across that was all a sad confirmation of his story came a day later when the hermits of ancarig with whom the monks of croyland had taken refuge with their convent treasures came to implore their aid in burying the dead of peterborough the wolves were upon them they said would their brothers help to give them christian burial never satiated with blood and pillage the danes pressed on into the land of east anglia neither forests nor morasses delayed them in their terrible work soon they were in the very heart of the kingdom End of section eighteen this recording is in the public domain.